Internet Brand Strategist, Sandra Beck, interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I have such a phenomenal show for you today and we're going to be visiting with Dr. Andrew Whitman and I think not only in times of health crisis, political crisis, you know, global pandemics, or it could be just as simple as you're sitting with your own thoughts and struggling with depression, anxiety, any other things that cause you stress and strain. We're going to talk today how to get around that mental game, how to use faith, whatever your belief is. And we're going to talk in length with someone who has had to manage fear as a professional. I really think, uh, Dr. Whitman, you know, you managed fear as a professional and then you, you morphed it into this kind of second life for yourself. You pastored a church for a while. You were this amazing, you know, machine for our military. And I want to talk about that first because some of the situations you were in required the management of fear. And that's why I reached out to you initially. Plus, because I think you're a great guy. You have a beautiful family. You've managed to keep it all together. Yeah. and still walk this earth with a smile. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sandra. You know, it's always a pleasure to be with you. And I was just saying before we got on, I, you know, you know what? I, the universe has brought us together and you're one of my favorite people on the planet. And I already tell you that every time, but it's just, it just becomes more and more true every time we get together. Well, and I like to rerun it. You know, I like take clips and I just rerun it, rerun it because uh, you know awesome. what? It makes me feel good. And, and you know, what's the harm? Um, right. Tell us about your professional career and what led you up to where you are today, because I think that gives you, for me, I know it gives you tons of credibility. Yeah. So, and, and you, I, and if you've heard me before on the show, I apologize for telling the story, but I was the fat kid in high school, right? Got bullied a lot. Um, my mom and dad were missionaries. So I was brought up in Australia and I was not allowed to fight back. So I was the out group of the out group. So first off, there was four Americans in this little town called Wagga Wagga. It was me, my brother and my mom and dad. So I'm already on the out group. Then you're the fat kid. So then you're double out group. And then you're like, you know, the missionaries kid. So it's like triple out grouping, right? You can't fight back. So I was just getting beat up and I would turn to food for my comfort. And I was in fear and anxiety and depressed every single day of my life. Like, so and then I, I ran into two guys that actually like had mercy on me um, that were my same age group. And they were kind of on the out group, but they wanted to join the uh, Australian uh, military. So and because, you know, missionaries, conscientious objectors, all that, I don't know anything about the U.S. military. So they introduced me to the U.S. military, specifically the Marine Corps. And they and I began to understand what the Marine Corps was through these two Australian dudes. Right. So when I graduated high school, I came home and I enlisted in the Marine Corps instead of going to Bible college, right? Which freaked my mom and dad out, but it's all good. We got, I got it done eventually, right? But I needed that mental toughness that I knew the Marine Corps could give me to get control of this fear and this anxiety. And I instinctively, I know, I mean, I got to get control of this, right? Because I don't want to live my life that way. Right. So I, I, I lost 50 pounds in boot camp. I spent six years in the Marine Corps infantry. I did combat tours in, um, Desert Storm, Panama, you know, counterterrorism operations in Honduras. I think I did five deployments at all in six years with the Marine Corps. Then I got out. I did go to Bible college. And I thought, you know, I still missed the, 
the lifestyle, the brotherhood and the, uh, of the uniform. So I went into law enforcement as like a surrogate. And um, I'll tell you, but being in law enforcement was even more stressful than being in the combat, right? Because you're in combat every day. But like when I was in the military, you would go overseas. You're out of context. You have that flight. You come out, right? But when you're a street cop, every day when you get in your car, you're in the combat zone. Like it just, you can't go get away from it, right? So my stress levels went up my, my, that rookie year that I was on the street, I didn't sleep probably like for nine months of that first wow. year. It was just tossing and turning because it was like that chronic stress, mm-hmm. anxiety all the time. When you see, you know, the guy you locked up for, you know, just going nuts and like beating his wife and kids, you see him in the, a Walmart with your wife and baby like two weeks later. Right. Wow. You know, and you're like, oh, yeah. So um, and then I went, I uh, became a federal agent when my wife became pregnant with our first. She said she wanted to be a stay at home mom. And I was like, you're making 65% of our income, but okay. So I just put in all these applications to the federal agencies. And the first one that picked me up was U.S. Capitol Police. And they do the same thing the Secret Service does. They just do it for the House and the Senate. So my great claim to fame. Again, 9-11, I was there, 9-11. Right? Wow. So that's the last time we had one of these panics like this. Right? So I was actually, you know, we, we drove home. I was at Folly Beach on vacation when it happened. You're driving 120 miles an hour. You get the recall back to D.C. The Pentagon's burning. New York's burning. Right. And I get assigned to Joe Lieberman, you know, as his advance aide. And I, you know, uh, he was just coming off the VP run. I remember all that. He was the VP. And it was just a crazy time in our country back then. So and, and to work through all that process. And then there was like after that was the anthrax crisis. And I was assigned to Hillary Clinton during the anthrax crisis where her office got, you know, the white powdery substance sent to her. And how do we work through that process? And then it was I, I was assigned to Nancy, took over Nancy Pelosi's detail. Um, as the agent in charge. And then I don't know if you guys remember this, but then there was the DC sniper where this guy is like, literally you're out getting gas and someone takes a, a rifle and snipes you. So then they were putting up in DC big tarps. And so it's just, everyone's just in a dead panic. They're canceling outdoor soccer games. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, because of the DC sniper. Now that was more localized, but it was the same kind of panic that right. we're feeling now. Right. So, and then, um, after the Iraq, Iran war, our Iraq war started and the Afghan war started and all that stuff, you know, um, I left Capitol Police and I pastored a church for five years. Well, then in 2008, when the, the economy went in the tank, yeah, we're not getting a paycheck. My wife's waiting tables. I'm working a midnight security job. She said, how long are we going to do this? I said, well, I can fix it tomorrow, um, but you got to be ready for me to go away. So I called my friends in the State Department. I deployed to Afghanistan, did four tours in Afghanistan, right? At 2000, starting in 2009, started working for the State Department training SEALs, Marines, and Rangers, and SF guys in this same stuff that, you know, how to be a critical thinker and have emotional intelligence, right? I need to make mentally tough decisions, not just point and shoot. Because with the State Department, it's a different mission than the military. We don't just rules of engagement. There's a bad guy, shoot him. We have to decide who's a bad guy and who's not a bad guy because of diplomacy, and it's more of a law enforcement mission. So we started teaching this critical thinking plus emotional intelligence, and I call it mental toughness, how to control your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and attitudes, especially under pressure. But if you don't do it first, when it hits the fan, you're just going to be a jungle up there. Like you can't order your thoughts because they're just going sidewinding missiles in every direction, right? So after I did two, uh, four tours in Afghanistan, I did one to Jordan and one to Kosovo. I was just getting tired of getting shot at for a living. I'm 45 years old at that time, never seeing my wife and kids, not really getting a lot of indoor plumbing time either. You know, I decided I need to just go home and teach this to civilian people, right? The civilian, the corporate world, you know, we need it just as much as you need it in combat because here's what we found out physiologically, and you're probably experiencing this at home right now. Even if you're in a traffic jam, rush hour traffic, 
and you're getting all wound up and you're stressed about that. Physiologically, your body and your mind and your emotions do the same exact thing as if you were in combat, if you were in a firefight. And that's what you're feeling right now with the coronavirus stuff, right? Your body goes through the same physiological effects as it would as if you were in a firefight. So these principles that we taught, you know, and I've, I had, I've got 11 deployments over like 30 years of making my living with a gun in the worst places on the planet and had to live by this. Otherwise, I would not be here. Um, it's the same thing that happens in your body, mind, and emotions as it does right now in coronavirus. So, yes, the credibility is, look, this has worked. It's battle-proven. It's all based in neuroscience, biopsychology, and what I call universal faith principles. It doesn't matter what, right? well, I'll, here's an example of that, Sandra. Uh, we, in the Western religions, we say you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. In the Eastern religions, we say it's karma. And if you're an atheist, we just say what comes around goes around. But it's the exact same principle, no matter what you call it, right? So how do we tap into those things to help us instead of hurt us? And that's really, that's what I've been doing, like, since, you know, for civilians in this, this realm phase of my life, like you said, a second life since the Mental Toughness Training Center in 2013. And so, like, and now it, it's like, I, I, I can honestly tell you the stuff that's going on is super minor inconveniences for me and my family. My kids are not panicking. Yeah. We're a little disappointed that some sports events got canceled or the proms canceled, but it's a minor inconvenience in the grand scheme of things. Seriously. You know, you talk about these minor inconveniences for kids like, you know, like in my house too, prom is canceled and, you know, uh, dance recitals have been canceled and, you know, a lot of things have been canceled. And I think this is an optimal time to not only teach your kids about disappointment, but remind yourself about disappointment because we do live in an era where Amazon, like people get mad when Amazon doesn't get it there in two days. And, you know, our pizza hut has to be delivered, you know, yesterday and, you know, everything, you know, we have what 90 sodas at the soda machine, you know, which to me is just, I don't even go to that machine because I'm like, Oh my God, I have to program my soda. You know, when the kids and I stop some fast food place after a meet, you know, we have overwhelming choices and all of a sudden now our choices are restricted. And I think it's symptomatic of us getting back to where we need to be. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, I was telling the kids, you know, my, during World War II, right back, this was like 80 years ago, the whole planet was on shutdown for four years. Like there was no major league baseball. There wasn't any, and if it was, I mean, there wasn't proms, there wasn't anything. Everything was shut down. And, you, and the choices were we all get together, right, and we ration all of our food and we save our gas and we buy our war bonds and everybody comes together. And, we get, and actually, I'll tell you, here's the good side of all this. I'm seeing the country come together, right, just like we did after 9-11. That's what we do. We're Americans. We fight, fight, fight till there's a bigger enemy and then we all come together. So, right. yeah, so I'm down with this right now. I'm like, and, and that stuff you were talking about, the entitlement stuff, we were just getting lazy, man. We're getting like entitled. We're getting like too many choices and we don't, we don't really have an honest assessment of what's actually real, what's actually needs and what's, you know, and our wants are just running rampant, right? So I think it all brings it back down to where we appreciate and are grateful for just stuff like I've got electricity, I've got, and I'll, I'm like, I told the kids last night, I'm like, this, this is great because this is what we do anyway. If we're not going out, we all like stream stuff off, you know, whatever the streaming, whatever your service is. I said, this would really be upsetting if we didn't have the internet. I mean, oh my is, gosh, like, can you imagine? And I you know, know, right? 
it's interesting you brought up World War II because, you know, my 87-year-old dad lives with me. And, you know, and I'm just going to tell this story the way it is because even though it doesn't paint me in the greatest light, it, it is real. About three weeks ago, my dad was watching what was going on in China and Iran. And he took the keys. He said, Sam, I'm going to Sam's Club. And I said, okay. And he took my minivan and he came home with Andy, I kid you not, packets of NyQuil, toilet paper, paper towels, and he's lugging in these big, heavy cases of water. I'm dead. Dad, let me help you. And I'm like, what are you, stocking up for the war? And he said, Sam, he goes, this is very much like World War II. You know, he was 12 years old, 13 years old. He says, I remember this. He goes, there's going to be panic. There's going to be panic across the country. You're not going to be able to get things like, you know, medicines and things. And he wasn't crazy. He didn't buy like 16,000 hands hand sanitizer but he said we need to stock up and then i looked at my freezer andy he's got all his meats lined up like yeah you know and i i, I was respectful because you know i love my dad but in my head i'm thinking wow you're a right. whack job like this right, is crazy. Not. Right. and sure enough he he was right but the one thing that at dinner last night my little 13 year old zach was talking about he said mom This is like the movie Independence Day, only we're not fighting the aliens, we're fighting a virus. And he says, don't you think this could maybe unify us as a population? Like, you know, it doesn't discriminate against race, creed, color. I mean, we have the ageism thing, but maybe this is an example of where we can come together as a people. Right. And I'm I'm with you. Uh, That's the good side of this. Now, we were talking about managing fear, right? So I will tell you that Here's where I start with all this stuff. When you're in uh, combat, in a firefight, whatever, I can't control what the enemy does. I can't control the weather. I can't control what other people think or whatever people say. I can't control. The only thing that we can control is our own responses, right? So managing that and managing fear just means control. Manage means control or be in charge of. So if I'm going to manage fear, I'm in charge of the fear. So. I'm going to put my mind, and I'll give you the neuroscience behind this, but I put my mind in the direction of all the things that we can control. And anybody that's been a ground pounder like me, we know the three things that we control is to shoot, move, and communicate. If we control those three things, we have a really great chance of success. So I'm going to concentrate on my shooting and being very uh, accurate and skillful. So that means I have to train myself to be a good shooter right? And, and, and whatever you're shooting it, whatever your skills are, right? And then the next thing is to move. I got to move correctly. Tactically, I'm not going to just take a crazy risk and walk out in the middle of a firefight. I'm going to use cover, right? And then communicate. I'm going to let everybody on my team know what we're doing so we don't step on each other. And this is the same thing with the coronavirus. Look, I, I'm not scared of the coronavirus, but I'm not also not going to be stupid, right? You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to focus on washing my hands and doing all the stuff they tell you to do. But even past that, my lifestyle has been to have a strong immune system. Right. So I'm going to be healthy in my food choices. I'm going to be healthy in my fitness routine. I'm going to be healthy in my sleep. Right. So, and if you're, if you haven't done that in the past, that's what you should be focusing on right now. Not, oh my gosh, there's no toilet paper. Right. Cause those are the things you can control. Those right. are the things you have influence over. Right. So that's managing the fears, pointing your mind in the direction of things that you can, can, that's what you should be focusing on. If you focus on, and people say, don't panic. What we know from neuroscience is that your brain chops off don't and whatever's left becomes the new target. Like don't think of a pink elephant. (laughs) Don't panic means panic. And that's exactly what's happening. Right. So, or, you know, for the, for the golfers, like don't hit it in the water obstacle, kabloosh where the, you know, so 
Well, and let me just, I just want to stop you for a second on the panic thing. You can have panic and really not expect it. Like I will just tell you, I had to have a MRI, full body MRI recently, and they blindfold you. They stick you in this little tube and you're all bound up. And Andy, I used to get frogs out of storm drains. You know, I crawled in everything as a kid. No fear, no fear, no fear. And on Friday when I had this MRI, once I was all the way in the tube, my heart started to pound. I started to sweat. I couldn't focus, all these things. And I really was surprised. And I asked the lady, I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's happening to me? She goes, it's okay. You're just having a little anxiety. You're having a little panic. You know, and I I actually started playing sheet music in my head from my adult handbell group to calm myself down. And it was really hard for me, but I think you can panic and you can get yourself out of it and you can accept that you're human. You know, there's people that go, Oh, I never panic. I never panic. I was one of those people. Well, I had a little panic. Okay. Right. Right. And so in scientifically the difference between panic and choking, right? So we do this with sports, right? The, the athlete who chokes is overthinking it like the field goal kicker. You know, this is a chip shot, and you could you're going to win the Super Bowl if you just make this shot. Don't miss, don't miss, don't miss. And they overthink everything, and then they miss. Like That's the Scott choke. Norwood in the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl. Correct. That's a choke. Yeah. Right. Panic is where you're like, that's overthinking it. Panic is there's no thinking. You're just letting your brain run amok. It's just go neurons are firing off in every different direction. Well, and I wasn't thinking there wasn't any, I couldn't right. even identify a thought in my head. It was just like this whole, it was almost like my body went on fire for, I don't know, a minute, 30 seconds, three minutes. I don't know, but right. Which could be deadly. Not while you're strapped into the MR, but if you're out in the real world, that panic could mess you up. Right. So the two ditches, if you will, is overthinking and not thinking at all. Yeah. So what we want to do is order our thoughts. And so that's why, and you've known this from the, if you've heard myself before, like thinking like crap, right? Clarity, relevance, accuracy, precision. So what I want to do is control my thoughts and, and think of thinking as a physical skill. I'm going to do the four steps of thinking every thought. And if, so what's my target? Clarity. What is it that I'm trying to accomplish? Relevance. Is this helping me or hurting me accomplish that target? Right. And then accuracy. Is this a fact or a truth, right? And truths being your perception of stuff and facts being actual, you know, independent are what they are, neutral pieces of information. And then precision is, can I make this fact? more exact. So I want to do is take truths, my opinions. Oh my gosh, this is bad. Well, who told you that? And what's bad mean? Let's put the facts is that, you know, are we suffering some minor inconvenience, but really on the grand scheme of things, we're not. Right. Right. And so, and then, and then when you drill that down, now you're giving your brain something to do and that's what's taking control of your thoughts. Right. So it's going to take the fear, right. And neutralize it. And then what we want to do, and this is what we talked about before the show, right. Fear is the, it is still faith. It's just faith to a bad result for you. You're imagining a result that hasn't happened yet and it's bad. Faith is you're imagining a result for you that's good. And now this is how the body works. This is the endocrine system was created to produce hormones that sustain our response. If you think something is bad, your body will produce the drug, the hormone, whatever it is to sustain that response and take you down that path, fight, flight, or freeze. If you think something's good, your body will produce the hormones that will produce that, right? So here's the difference, right? If you're stressed out and feared, then your body's going to produce cortisol, stress hormone, which actually damages your immune system. So you are becomes a medical self-fulfilling prophecy that the more you worry about getting the virus, the more susceptible you are to getting not just that virus, but any other thing out there. Right. 
the more that you, uh, you know, you're working towards, like I said, the process of I'm, I'm eating healthy, I'm doing my fitness routine, I'm drinking water, I'm getting sleep, I'm doing all those things. What happens is the body produces dopamine and endorphins, which are the things that makes you happy and feel fulfilled, right? And, and a good mood, right? So, and then your body, your immune system is strengthened, which actually right. keeps all that stuff up. We already know this. 80% of all sickness is stress-induced. This is facts. Most heart attacks happen at 9 a.m. Monday morning. It doesn't matter what time zone. It just is at 9 a.m. wherever you're living. So that's how I know it's stress-induced because you could have, if it's 9 a.m. in New York, what time is it your time? It's 6 a.m., right? So you would wait, you know, West Coast folks wait until 9 a.m. before they cook off on Monday morning, right? Because they're stressed out about going to work. So this is all mental. It is just, it, 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 the whole thing is mental. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because I remember reading that statistic. I'm like, how do the hearts know that it's like nine o'clock on a Monday morning, wherever you are in the world? And then, you know, it got me to thinking like, it's almost, you know, like Andy, like, you know how they teach you to steer into a skid, you know, like I'm from Buffalo. So, you know, we we have a lot of snow analogies. And, you know, when I look at steering into a skid, that's my thoughts. Like I can steer myself right in. I can either hit the wall or I can go straight depending on how, I keep my thoughts under control. Now, when I was having my little, you know, anxiety moment in the tube, I couldn't even get my thoughts together. And so I started counting. I literally was like, okay, I'm going to make it to 10. I'm going to make it to 20. And it's what I used to do when I was learning how to run because I hate to run and I'm not a good runner. But I would go, Beck, give me 30 more steps. Beck, give me 50 more steps. And then I would count 15, 49, 48, 47, or yeah. I would count forward just to keep myself going another little manageable clip. And once I, once I was counting and I could see my finger, you know, at the end of the right. MRI tube mirror. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do my pinky finger and we're going to count and we're going to count. And as I counted, I started to calm down and then I could think clearly and apply, you know, your rules. Cause I thought about you and some of the things that we talk about in mental toughness when I was in the tube. And once I was able to calm down, I was able to clarify and collect my thoughts. What do you do when you need to calm down? Like, what do you, do you just trigger right over to calm or how, what? No, no, I do. A pro- and everything's a process. So I do like, uh, like if you're really, if I'm really in a panic, I do what I call a box breath. Right. So you trace like a square where I'm, I'm, I'm drive my and in my head, if I can't draw my finger across it, I will in my head, draw my finger across and I'm going to inhale for four. Count to the four. And then I'm going to go up and hold it for four in the square, in the box. And then I'm going to come across and exhale for four. And then I'm going to draw my finger down to complete the box for four by just holding again on the exhale. And then I start that process again. And now everything it's controlling your breath. It's controlling everything in your body. You're controlling your physiology. Everything stops because your mind is counting. You're counting to four. Now I will give you this is if, if I'm in a really bad spot, I begin to count out loud. So you count too. Absolutely. No, this is the, this is our base thing, right? This is the human. It's the easiest thing to do is to count and breathe, count and breathe, count and breathe. It's the, we already know what it is. We've been taught to count since we were, you know, yeah. itty bitty. No matter what culture, if you're human, we begin to count, right? We know that one piece of pie is not as good as two pieces of pie, even when you're two years old. Right. Right. So so that's all we begin to do. Um, I will tell you this. There's a mind, when you're in a panic, I I, I discovered this uh, a long time ago. There's a mind-mouth connection, right? So uh, while you're in that mode where everything's just going crazy, 
um, I want to do this experiment with you, Sandra, and then we'll see how it works. All right. So in your mind, if you just begin counting backwards from 1,000, so in your mind, 1, 1,000, right? 9, Let the count keep going. Now say your name out loud. Sandra. Okay. What happened to the count? It stopped at 9, It stopped. Seven. Exactly. So as soon as you open your mouth, to speak, this is biopsychology. How does the body, mind, and emotions all work together? I can force my thoughts. If I can't get off the track of fear and panic, if I can't get off that track, then I, need, I can stop whatever that thought process is by saying words. Now, I'm not going to say words that double down on that thought process. I'm going to say words like, you know, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I can handle anything that comes my way, right? I'm a man of excellence who always keeps his word. That, you know, I can handle any situation. I always know what to do and how, right? When I'm saying these things, I can't be thinking of fear and panic. Right. So I, I had this, we call it like affirmations or whatever, but I got this list of stuff that, and now I've programmed myself like so many years in the past. This is the stuff that comes out of my mouth when I stub my toe. I'm not sure I'm, I'm saying stuff like my identity statement. I'm a man of excellence always keeps his word. Oh, man of excellence. It's my cuss <laughs> word, right? So, but that way I'm changing where my thought pattern, I'm dictating where my thoughts go. Gotcha. And I use my body to help dictate with my mind to override my emotions, right? I'm going to get my body on board with my mind and know we're not going to, emotion is, you know, the fear, panic. Uh, nope. You know what? I'm going to use logic here, right? And I'm going to say, you know what? This is hard. Compared to what? Compared to World War II, this is nothing. Compared to World War I, this is nothing. Compared to the Civil War, this is nothing. Right, compared to every other time in history where we're panicking over literally a virus that has like, like no impact on most of the population, like leprosy, like AIDS. Do you remember AIDS? Oh, I mean, yeah. we didn't even know how to get it. Like, that was a legitimate. People were actually like, a lot of people were dying. It's not happening now. I mean, if you look at the facts, more people have died of flu and cold in the US this year than the entire world with coronavirus, the entire world. Like, so stop the panic. Right, be mindful, you know, shelter in place. Right. If you're so I'm not going to do dumb stuff. I'm not right. going to like not wash my hands. I'm not going to not, right? But I'm also not going to panic when I look at the facts. Do you see right. the difference? Yes. Well, and I think that's, that's a lot about self-talk. You know, and when my kids were little, we were going through a lot with court and some other things. And, you know, my mom and I used to make my kids and they're going to die when I tell this on the air. But, it, you know, I would have them stand up in the bathtub covered in suds, you know, and it, they'd yeah. start to get cold. And I'd be like, OK, what, what, tell me what you need to tell me. Get out of the tub and get your towel. They had to say, I'm tough. I'm strong. I can do anything. And they nice. would go, I'm tough. I'm strong. I can do anything. And then they could go get their towel. And it was this little thing, you know, that, and my brother used to make him stand in the, the screen door and he would open the screen door and it would close and hit him in the arm. Like not hard, you know, Yeah, but, right. but no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. and I would go like, kids, what do you say? Like, I'm tough. I'm strong. I can do anything. Like those little mantras, whatever you have, you know, you have one, you're the man of excellence. Mine was always, I'm tough. I'm strong. I can do anything. Right. And, I bring those back. And then the other one, which <laughs> Dr. Andy will laugh what it is. I spent so much time memorizing in church when I was a little girl because they had a lot in Latin and we didn't study Latin until high school. So I would memorize these things just because I sounded, they sounded cool. And I would go, and no many patres, it's really the spiritual sanctum. Like, nice. <laughs> I thought it was cool. And, that is you know, cool. 
having whatever that is, because honestly, OM didn't work for me or, right. you know, like when I went to yoga for the first time, because they said, Miss Beck, you need to bring your stress down. We're going to send you to yoga. All I was so competitive, Andy, this old guy next to me, I'm like, I'm going to bend farther than him. I'm going to push higher than him. I mean, I totally oh. blew, like yoga did not help me learn it how to increase your stress because you're, uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. So I went yeah. to kickboxing instead and kicked yeah, and, screamed, and that worked for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No, that's good. That's good. See, and that's another thing is that you're aware of what works for you and what doesn't. Right. So what works for me might not work for you or work, but what, right. what does work is the process. Whatever your process is, if you do it and you point your mind in that direction, right, then you will, it's just how the machine works. Your, your hormones will balance, right. You know, your cortisol will come down right? Your dopamine will go up, your endorphins will go up, your testosterone will go up, even good for women, right? It makes you strong, it makes you confident. And the more confident you are, the more your immune system goes up. So whatever it is, if it's kickboxing, yoga, if it's just eating right, what you're jumping rope, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as you're doing a process that points you in the right direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and let's talk about, you know, the physiology of fear, because when I get afraid, and this is so funny, because, you know, this is the girl who hates to run, but I run when I'm fearful. Like I go to the park and I run, I go to the treadmill and I run and I run as if my life depends on it until I burn through that emotion, that energy. And then I'm, then I can deal. But if I can't get some sort of release like that working out and, you know, fear, I can't drink my fear away. I can't eat my fear away, but I certainly right. can run, punch and kick my fear away. Right. And so that's, use? Yeah. So that's, well, I'm just talk about the physiology of that, right? So we know what happens, the hormone dump, when you hit that, what happens is, I say it like this, have you ever been in a near wreck car accident where horns mm-hmm. were honked, brakes were slammed, but nobody got hurt? Right. And then after logically you see that everything's okay, then your heart starts pounding, like after the fact. Right. That's the hormone dump. And what we know scientifically that when you have the hormone dump, it stays in your system, that's your endocrine system, sending the hormones out to sustain that response for at least 20 minutes. Like I call it an emotional seizure. It's like an epileptic seizure, only it's emotional. You cannot be rational for those 20 minutes. So if you've ever been around an epileptic, do do we try to stop the seizure? No. Do we try to like reason with them? No, all we do, (laughs) right, right. All you do is just make it safe for them so they don't hurt themselves during the, the seizure. When you recognize the hormone dump in yourself or somebody else, right, just keep the area safe and just let it run its course for 20 minutes. But now say you're in that fear and panic mode and then another thought comes and you do another hormone dump. It starts that 20 minute clock. Again, it's another release of that drug of the heart, right? The hormone. It's another release of that. It's another dose. It's going to be another 20 minutes. So you just keep and every time. So what you're doing when you go work out, when you go run or whatever it is, you know, what you're doing is you're giving your body something and this is what it is. You could be washing dishes, cutting the grass, going for a walk, doing a run. Get your body in a, rep- a, a repetitive motion that you don't have to necessarily think about and walk that hormone out of your system for 20 gotcha. minutes. So the faster that you work that stuff out of your blood system, the faster you can return to being rational and reasonable. Mm-hmm. But understand, if you're in the middle of that dump, you got no shot. You're having an emotional seizure. So you have to go, and that's where I get my body on board with my mind to overcome the biology, because you can't fight your biology. Right. This is one of the things I, listen, man, if you're not eating right, and then all of a sudden, it, it, it's, it's kind of too late now to stop eating fast food and expect your immune system to be good right now. So start right now, and you know what, probably like three months from now is when your immune system will catch up. And that's why there's a, there's a slow sentence 
of what I call evil, right? And evil is adversity, affliction, calamity, great grief, harm, heaviness, sickness, wrong, right? The reason that like you find yourself in a jam is because three to six months ago or even 10 years ago, you began a pattern of behavior that you, like I tell my kids, man, you could get away with something a thousand times with that a thousand and first time, like, like, like don't look both ways when you cross the street. You could get away with that a thousand times until you don't get away with it. Right. And this is and you the don't same get thing. away from it once. <laughs> right. And that's the one. And like we say, the terrorists only have to be right once. Right. That's what we say in law <laughs> enforcement or you have to be right every time. So if you're not eating right, if you're not sleeping right, if you if you haven't been in the past, just start immediately right now. But understand, uh, you know. You're not going to see instant result because you didn't get and I'll say it like this. When I have people come to me, with, they want to lose a lot of weight. Listen, you got to stick with it long enough because you didn't get overweight overnight. You didn't go to bed one night and wake up and now you're 50 pounds overweight. Right. It took a long time for you to get there and it's going to take just as much time to unwind it, which people are like, well, that's not great news, but at least start doing it now. Right. Start to do the things now so that the next time, or you can get through this one or the next time you won't have this problem. Right. And I think, you know, when you start to kick your habits, um, I did this one year habit kicking thing where I had, I had so many things, Andy, that I was using to cope, like with my divorce, my mom's, you know, death and, and, you know, my own, you know, building my company, all these things. And I had all these little crutches in place. And when I realized like 99% of them were unhealthy, they worked, yeah, but they weren't they weren't good for me long-term. And so right. I sat down and I made this list and I came up with like, Oh my God, I've got like 50 things that I want to change. One being like my four thirty diet Coke habit. My other that. one is like when I would get a new client, the first thing I would walk to, I get a new client. I do a great sales job that money would come in. The check would come in my bank, this big deposit. And then I would freak and I would like go to the fridge, like looking around, find something to eat you know, to calm myself down. And I really had to have a, like what I call a come to Jesus with myself going, okay, what are these things that I'm doing that I need to change that are arguably working for me, but they're not like the Lego Ninjago TV show that, you know, Sensei Wu, you know, this little guy right. in the middle of the night with my kids says, you know, what do you need to do today to get you to where you want to be? Right. And I was up all night with a sick kid watching this stuff anyway. So I took my pad out and I'm like, what, where do I want to be? And then what do I not want to do in my life anymore? Because I knew what I was doing was wrong. But in the moment, I chose the Diet Coke. I chose, not that there's anything wrong with Diet Coke. Diet Coke, don't come back and sue me. This was my own personal thing. The problem was I couldn't get through my day without that in my mind. Right. So I made my list, Andy, and then I looked at all the things that I wanted to change. And then I put them out in a plan of 52 weeks. And then each week I would work on only one of those because I couldn't tackle Right, you can't do No, one. you can't. And that's where a lot of people make a mistake. My mom used to say, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Right. Said, I'm trying to undo all these things at one time. Like, yeah, we do, we do one till we have success there. Then you do the next one, right? And you just triage them and just start picking them off. But this brings me to the point, I, I really love what you're just saying because this is one of the things I have written down that I wanted to say was that your initial response to whatever news you get um, it sets the course of the fight. So uh, your initial response to whatever bad news. So I always say, you know, when bad news happens, I always say this, get happy. Like force yourself to get happy and find how this bad news helps you. Because right. if you don't, then the initial response is sets the course of the fight. It's going to be a long uphill battle. If you, your initial response is like, oh, my gosh. And then the second thing is your continued response mm -hmm. is going to dictate your outcome. 
So the two things is initially I, I want to respond in a way that's like, how can this help me? How can I take the best advantage of this? How is this going to be the, you know, I can make the most of this. And then my continued response is like your list of things for fit, right? I, every week you're hitting another one and that's your continued response. And it dictates the outcome that you get. If you could do those two things, right? Manage your initial response mm-hmm. and then continue the response to get the outcome that you want. And really that's, that's the secret sauce. Well, and I think it's helpful to write these down, to put Absolutely. them on cards. Like I have this thing that, you know, I have on my wall up here and I put it up, you know, with my recent health diagnosis and it says you are capable of amazing things. Yeah. You know, I that agree works with that. I put that it sounds like something partner. I would say about you. That sounds like <laughs> something I would say about you. Hey, Sandra, you are amazing. What are you not just capable of? You constantly are doing amazing things. Thank you. But I think, you know, we need to remind ourselves in low times, you know, like I have one on my mirror in my bathroom. I have one, you know, that's why I have my crosses everywhere. You know, my mom's, when my mom died, I, I was the one who got her Bibles. I have my grandma's Bible. I mean, they're little teeny leather ones, you know, some of them are in different languages. And I have those in this special box by my bed. So I know like if there's a wildfire, like what to grab and, um, you know, I have these little things, these little reminders around there to, for me to stay in faith, to me, to remind myself that I'm capable of amazing things because I do think we need reminders. I know I do because when I kind of go into that, like I start going down that rabbit hole and then you're like, no, 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 this is not good for you. This isn't working. This isn't whatever. And I look around my office, I can either see my cross or I can see my capable of amazing things. I've got this little angel over there who's wearing like this cute outfit. Like, you know, (laughs) that works for me. Absolutely. And start recalling your past victories. That's why I always say like, tell yourself your war stories, right? When you beat this, when you beat that. So a lot of times what we do, and this is, we, we remember all the times we failed. Right. I want to, I go down, I, this is one of the exercises I do with my clients. Like, give me a hundred times. I mean, you a hundred because you got to really think a hundred times where you were successful, you won, you beat it, whatever it was. What, and you were like, you're like, that was awesome. So when you put your mind on that track, like that's a good thing. If you're, if you're feeling panic about anything, just go back and write down 100 times where you won. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's funny because I could win, you know, and I probably have at least a hundred times won things, but my mind will go to the one that I flunked, the one that I failed. Like that's just human nature, I think, don't you? It is. So athletes always tell me they have that one loss that always haunts them. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, so like, like Tom Brady would be like, he's got six Super Bowls, but he remembers the two that he lost, uh, you know, the Eli Manning guy, the Giants, right? So it's like, dude, like, dude, you have six rings and all you can do is focus on, like, that's just human nature. So what we want to do is just keep, continue to focus on the times you win. Right. Well, so yeah, it's I like, was a swimmer, Andy, and I can tell you, I swam from the time I was four to my freshman year in college. And I can tell you the all I think about sometimes, like if I think about like my flubs, I don't think about the medals, the ribbons, the trophies, the, the anything, the money. All I think about is the time that I was in this small town competing and they didn't have starting blocks, you know, the metal yeah, kind bolted. Right. They had like egg crates, like these big wooden blocks. Yeah. And, you know, I was taught to tuck really low and push really hard with your legs. Well, you can't do that off a wood crate block. No, it flies back. (laughs) Right. You kick that block to the back wall and I dropped like a brick. And the other people, I was the only one on my team competing. And there was like two, maybe three others from the other team in this same heat. And they knew to just drop and dive. 
And yeah. here I am, I belly flopped like a rock. And oh. you know, that was probably 40 years ago. I can still yeah. hear the slap on the yeah. water. Oh my gosh. Right. So now like, so do a, go through all your stuff and find all the hundred times that it wasn't that right. Because that's what it's emotional learning. And that's, that's the science behind it is when there's an emotion and especially a negative emotion, it imprints the memory. But the good news is here's how memory works. So it's not just you replaying the picture. You can reconstruct that memory. That's what a memory is a reconstruct. It's like you're reproducing a DVD movie every time you recall the memory. So ask yourself this, how could I recall that and make it better? Like it could be funny. It could be like, oh, you, know, yeah. you know what? I was at least pushing off, right? And maybe I, I'm, but you would have won that with that press, you know, if, if the box didn't kick, right? So like just, you could re, you can re hit the a different angle when you reproduce that movie, right? So. It, well, yeah, because I think I can't see the people behind me and it was an era before cell phones. And yeah. I would just love to like be able to look behind me to think of, you know, because there's all sorts of people, you know, there's time judges, there's, yep. you know, all those people back there. Like, did they just all scatter when that box went shooting back? Right. Or did you hit somebody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like see this is the kind of right so now when i'm doing all this i'm not in panic i'm not choking right. and i'm not in fear right and this is just how the mind works so um yeah i and it really comes down to this it's whose mind is it right right it's your mind so i can't do it for you you can't do it for me you could choose which thoughts you think mm -hmm. right it's your choice and i think you know we don't teach that to our young people, you know, who's right. in control of your thoughts. You know, I, I'm on my kids a lot because, you know, they, they're YouTube junkies, you know, that generation is yeah. getting a lot of their information from YouTube. And, you know, especially my little one, he's like, you know, Dr. Phil in like, you know, eighth grade. And he likes to watch all this stuff because there's all this great information on there. And I'm like, well, what are you feeding your brain? Like, what are yep. you feeding yourself? You know, we used to, when we were growing up, Andy, I only had, we had a Sault Ste. Marie television station, a Toronto CB5. And then we had like, three Buffalo stations and one TV. And if Monday night was football was on, then my sisters and I and my mom and, and everybody could not watch little house on the prairie. Like that's what I remember so, was the right. fight between those two shows. Howard Cosell's on. Yep. And Frank Everett. No, I remember the same thing. Right. So, and then we would fight over, you know, when I was little, it was either one TV. So my sister wanted to watch Big Valley and I wanted to watch Batman with Adam West. Right. So that was the run because it was both on at 4 PM after school. Right. So, right. Yeah, no, I mean, like, this is what I'm talking about. Like this kind of regression to the mean with all the entitlement. It's like, like, just take a breath here. You know, you're still hitting all your YouTube channels. We can binge watch whatever we want. You know, this is not panic time, you know, because sports got canceled. The prom got canceled. I mean, I hate, listen, trust me. I hate all of that. Right. But in the end, it's really a minor inconvenience. Right. And well, to be and honest with you, it'll be something that my kids are going to be bragging about 20 years from now. They're going to be like, back in my day, you know, <laughs> they'll be the grouchy old, back in my day, prom got canceled. Right. <laughs> you know, but, well, but I think it's interesting, you know, when we look at some of these things about the silver linings, because, you know, I do have two school-age kids that were ripped out of school and, um, you know, sent home because of the coronavirus. And, you know, when my kids are school kids. They love to go, well, they don't yeah. love to go to school, but they love to achieve, right. they yeah. love to learn, and they are active in all these sports. And I will be honest, the first three days of the kids home out of school, 
I don't have to drive. I don't have to go to the meets. I don't have to prepare lunches. It's been a little slice of heaven in our house. And last night we decided to watch a family movie, which we hadn't done in a long time because of night sports. And I'm making dinners off of Pinterest versus going in the fridge. Woo, here we go. Let's see. I do cook everything from scratch. I made some bread, like all the things the kids love. It's been like a holiday in our house because it's like, you know, the two week school break at Christmas when I can decorate the house and I can make these things and do these things. And, you know, last night, my little son and I sat, he sat at the foot of my bed and we talked till midnight. That would never happen on a school night. We talked about history. We talked about politics. He talked to me about his thoughts on Abraham Lincoln. And this went from nine to midnight. And I said, guys, I got to get up, you know, Mac or Zach, I got to get up. I got to go to bed right now so we can talk in the morning. But that would have never happened if we were running, running, running to handbells, to volleyball, to basketball, to swim, you know, and then I do adult handbells and I teach fitness. Like we're all going and we do come together for meals at when we can, but now we're getting like full frontal family. It's awesome. I'm same in my house. It's just fantastic. All my kids, like the, the two college boys are home. It was their spring break right now anyway for the Citadel. So it's not even affecting them right now. They were going to be home anyway, but it's just great that we're all, you know, you know, my high school girl, she's getting, you know, distance learning, whatever. It's kind of still like a spring break. I mean, she knocked out her, you know, her stuff and yeah, I hate it with the sports and all that. But like you said, the good news is we're reconnecting in a way that only happens like at holidays. That's right. That's right. And it's a nice break. Like I look at this, you know, we've been going a hundred miles an hour with sports and school and work and, you know, so to have this slowdown, like, yeah, I know it's got economic consequences, but you can always make more money, but you can't always. get more time with your Correct. good Absolutely. time. No, it's, you, you can never get the time back. So it's, and these are all the things that you, you're thinking of these things. You don't have time to be in fear and panic. Right. You see, it's just a matter of where you point your, right? The 11 million, we take in 11 million bits of information per second. Only 126 bits goes to our conscious mind for action. You pick that 126 by what you think, what you feel, what your attitude is, what your opinion is, what your belief is. And when you point that 126 in a direction that helps you instead of hurts you, life becomes really great. Yeah. Well, and I have, you know, like a lot of people calling me um, because, you know, their businesses are struggling, their doors are closed, their things. And I'm like, work on your next business plan. Work on how to improve your business. Like you've been given this break in your business. And I think a lot of people are, you know, and I would be included too, if I didn't, you know, do all the studying with coach Ken in Montreal for many years. Um, You've got to pause. We hit the pause button. So when we hit the pause button on our business and we hit the pause button on our life at the same time, which so rarely happens, what a great time to brainstorm on your business. What a great time to look at areas of improvement, to talk to your employees, to say, you know, like going forward, how can we improve? And for some of us, that might be because I have a, um, a friend of mine who really hates her company and she now, not the company she works for, the company she created. Oh. And I said, Jewel, you got two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe four, five, six weeks. Work on building something new. Yeah, you're going to have to struggle. Yeah, you're going to have to do this. Just accept that and move into your next new reality. Like that's the pause button that I see with this whole virus and telling the world to stop. 
maybe it's a good time to think about what and how and why are you going to do things when we get back up and running? Because we will. Absolutely. This is a great gift. Like I said, when bad news happens, get happy and ask yourself, how can I use this to my greatest possible advantage? Whatever comes down the pike. And you could take this time and use it to your greatest possible. But listen, uh, this doesn't have to be bad for anybody. We're right. all, the entire planet is going through it together, right? So, you know, people are like, well, you know, it's like, it's, you know, sports. It's my recruiting year. It's a recruiting year for everybody that's your age. You know, it's our seniors, the senior year for everybody that's your age, right? So it's, it's, it's an equal opportunity. It's all across the planet. Now, what are you going to do with this gift? Right, because you've been given the gift of time. Right. You know, and time is that one thing. Everybody gets 24 hours of it. And all of a sudden, now we've been given those who are ordered to work from home. You know, they're, they're gaining hours in their day where they're not commuting. Right. I mean, what are you doing that. with that time? Please don't tell me you're just surfing the net, watching more fear-based media right, content that, right. to drive advertisers. Like, this is Stop where we get into that. the choice. Right. Stop feeding on that. Feed on stuff like this podcast right here and all the other ones or this radio show, all the other radio shows that you have in your archives, you know, my podcast, all my radio shows. Right. And there's so much good stuff out there. Literally, there's no paucity of good things to feed on. Right. Like, right. And there's no excuse except for your choice. You know, like I have a bunch of clients that are, you know, complaining to me that their freedom is restricted. And I'm like, you can get things like, you know, Beachbody, Best Body, PDX, all that stuff is online. You right. can watch it. A lot of it's for free on YouTube. You can do workouts. So all of those things you told me you couldn't do, because one of my clients who I really enjoy, I, I just threw back at him. I looked at notes from a coaching session a year ago, and I said, you complained to me that you couldn't, didn't have time to do X, B, B, Right. If, now you if, have it. Now you have it. Yeah. What are you going to do with that gift of time? And all of a sudden it was like crickets. Yeah. Like, uh, that I was like, Hey, hate me on the back end. Right. You right. can fire me at any time. That's why you hired me. All right. No, this is right. good stuff, man. And you know what? I was, you know, people are like, I can't, I, can't, I listen, I do what I call my prison cell workout. Like when I'm traveling, if I don't have, there's, I'm doing push ups, squats, you know, flutter kicks in the hotel room. I only need like enough space, floor space to do. You can work out anywhere at any time. You don't even have to go online. You already know what a push-up is. No, I mean, you know what a push-up is. You don't need to have someone teach you how to do a push-up. Yeah, but it's interesting to go, this is, you know, this whole, you know, pause button. Because that's what I call it. I don't call it the COVID-19, the coronavirus, because that's all scary. Right. So we, and, you know, and it's the same thing, like, languaging, I think. And that's, you know, I'd like to just talk about languaging as we wrap up the show. Yep. I think languaging is so important because it gives us you know, a reaction. Like when people say, oh, are you married? I say, no, I'm recycled. <laughs> right. I don't like to say divorce because to me, divorce is, it sounds so ugly. It sounds like a knife cutting through, right. you know, bad, you know, just doesn't work well with me. But the same thing with this, you know, shelter at home, coronavirus, da, da, da. I call it a pause button. You know, the earth has hit a pause button. What are we going to do with it? That to me is manageable. And I think our languaging, what do you think about languaging? Oh, it's a hundred percent. So my, on my, when I do my corporate seminars, my second day is called people whisper. And one of the biggest things we talk about is communication, but uh, the languaging is so huge. And I would say this, like, here's my example. Like if you were all my weight loss clients, like if I had any, and I put out a text that said, we all need to watch our diet on a text, or I said, we all need to 
pay attention to our nutrition, which one sounds better? Right. Right. Which one, like diet just sounds like die. Like my like, diet means like I, I can't eat stuff that I want, but nutrition means I'm going to put good thing in my, but they're both the exact same thing. Right. But the, but the perception of the language, right? What does it invoke, right? What is the picture that it evokes? What's the emotion it evokes? So you're hundred percent spot on. And really let's think about what the language is that we're using. And this isn't just semantics because it really does evoke an emotional response. Like you can make, and that's what the news is doing which they always do. Like, this should not shock you. If, you know, <laughs> people are shocked that when Katrina, when it hit like New Orleans, they think that that was a cat five uh, hurricane. It was a cat three. Right. right. Because the news was like, it could possibly be a cat. I mean, they're right. always looking for the worst because that's how they sell stuff, right? Fear, sure. fear sells. So let's use, our, you know, we have to counter, first off, stop feeding on that. Second off, begin to re, like you said, it's a pause button. It's a holiday. This is a gift, whatever, however you want to say it. Think of a better way to say it than one that evokes fear. Right. Well, and it's funny because like, you know, when I was going through a divorce, I learned this because we were in marriage counseling and there was an issue over this gift that was given to my ex-husband that wasn't, I thought, appropriate. It was a CD of mixed love songs. And so I took it and scratched it. Because I was like, how dare you give this to my husband? Scratch, 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 scratch. And then I was like, oh, now I've done something. So I just right. put it right back in the, 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 the player in the car. And when we were in therapy, that was brought up. And it was funny because the term was used, like the CD was vandalized. And I'm like, well, I didn't vandalize anything. I just scratched it. The same word, two right. different, really Commented, different right. You know, what creates more, ooh, you vandalize something or you scratched it. Like what right. evokes, like that's a good example of two words that evoke completely different right. responses. Correct. So if we're just mindful of those things, and again, if you're mindful of that and you're thinking about those things, you're, you're not going to have uncontrolled panic because you're right. ordering your thoughts. And that's right. really the key is it's your thoughts, it's your mind, you control which way it goes. Um, and, and we've given you some good tips on how to do it, right? With, you know, self-talk, how to speak, you know, focus on what you can control, all these things. Um, but I, you know, ultimately it's up to each individual to decide how you want to live your life. And I don't judge either way. I mean, if you want to have panic, you're going to get the results of that. If you want to, you know, if you don't, then you're going to get the results of that. And so how can people find you? And you've got some great books out. So let's talk a couple minutes about your books and how can people find you and what do you offer? Yeah, so um, Get Warrior Tough is the uh, the website, the main website. Um, my uh, probably the the biggest book for just like individuals is called Ground Zero Leadership CEO of You, which is about just taking control of your own thoughts, feelings, attitudes, and actions. Um, my the book that just came out, well, I just say just came out, came out at the end of 2018, so it's about a year and a half, and it was a number one on Amazon. It's called Seven Secrets of Resilience for Parents. Um, and it's not a parenting book. It's a mental toughness manual on how to handle all of the stress that comes from parenting. And if you're a grandparent or you're a teacher or you're a coach, if you have to ever deal with kids or you were a kid once, it's a good book for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And then people can, you've been on the Hallmark Channel, which is one of my favorite places. Twice. To yeah. I'm like, I, uh, twice I've been on the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. Like they, uh, the second time I was there, man, I was like the first time they didn't know who I was. The second time, I was in the number one trailer. I mean, I thought I was like, I was in high cotton, man. They had every, you know, snacks and everything. They had, you know, it was crazy. The, the, um, yeah, I love those guys. They're, it's a great, it's, it's so much fun. That show is awesome. Oh, well, you know what? Check out Dr. Andrew Whitman. You'll be glad you did if you liked what you heard today. Um, and just remember, everything is a choice. 
it's your choice. It's your choice what to think, your choice what to feed your mind, choice what to feed your body, and choice how to think every day. And the only choice I make every night before I go to bed, Andrew, is I like to say, okay, this is my intentions for tomorrow. Then I wake up and I choose how I show up in the world. I am not a product of the world. I choose how I show up. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.